often we make plans and we just kind of assume that they're in line with God's plans. And so when things don't go according to our plan, we start to doubt God or wonder why God isn't coming through for us. But God's ways are higher than our ways, and his plans are higher than our plans. And the fact is God has a story and a plan and a purpose greater than our own. And that's why we're in this sermon series through the Gospel of Matthew. We've been seeing God's big story. He has a bigger plan, a bigger story than our own. So when our plans seem to be falling apart, it doesn't mean God's plan is falling apart. In fact, God might be putting something back together that we had no idea of. The question is, will we respond? Will we respond when we start to notice or sometimes it gets thrown in our face that the plans we had don't seem to be aligning with God's? How will we respond to that? Will we respond? And this is it's a lifelong process. Um, this week, uh, often, well, every time, I, I, when I read the scripture, I want God to speak to my heart first, convict me first, so that the message that I give is one that I've wrestled with first. And God was really impressing on my heart this week as I wrote my to-do list, because every Sunday night I'll write, what do I need to do this week? And I think of the things and that, that I have to do. And through this scripture and others, I felt God really impressing upon my heart. You, so this is what you think you're going to do? So you're just going to go on autopilot? You're just going to do these things? Or are you going to first settle down and get the to-do list from me? Because I have plans for you. And so I felt great conviction for that because the thing is, is that, you know, I've been a pastor for a while and the, the good part of that is that not too much surprises me anymore and that I've got lots of experience. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff. So it's really easy for me to go to autopilot and just do what I always do. But the Lord says, I have plans. Have you even asked what my plans are for you this week? And so it's a struggle we have all of life where um, do we submit our plans to God? Do we respond when, when Christ's plan might be different than our own? And that struggle, it's not just for us. It's been for God's people from all times and places. As Ashley read our scripture reading even someone as great as John the Baptist, he, he could get discouraged when God's plan didn't line up with his idea of what God should be doing. We, we see that in the scripture and the, the context of that scripture. If you were here last week, you know, but I'll share it with you. God, Jesus, he gave his apostles power and authority. He sends them out to expand Christ's ministry. And in chapter 10, he warns them, as my Ministry and as the kingdom expands, expect hostility, expect violence. 
And now the scene shifts and some of John the Baptist's followers arrive. And John the Baptist, he understood hostility firsthand because he's in prison because of the hostility of Herod the Great, not Herod the Great, excuse me, Herod uh, the Great's grandson, who he, was, he put John the Baptist in prison. So in, let's jump to verse 2. It says, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So John, he's in prison, and he sends his disciples to ask, Jesus, are you the one? And that is shocking. That is shocking because when we read just a few chapters earlier, what did John the Baptist say? He says, this is the Christ. This is the one who I came to prepare the way for. And he, he baptizes Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. John testifies, this is the Christ. So what happened? Why was John wavering? Well, like many of us, John couldn't see God's plan through, this, through his own pain. Because sometimes when we're in pain, it, gives, it creates a fog and we can't see God's plan clearly. And I think that's what's going on here. Because John, he had preached the imminent judgment of God's kingdom. That the, the kingdom's going to bring judgment upon sinners. So repent, the kingdom of God, heaven is at hand. And, and Jesus, he had been bringing a lot of healing, a lot of miracles. But Jesus, how about the judgment? Jesus, John's in prison. Jesus, if you're going to come establish God's kingdom and judge sinners, now would be a great time, Jesus. Because I have a sinner who's in power who's put me in prison. And this shows sometimes our preconceived ideas or plans of how things should go. And, and when they don't go, how it can cause us to doubt, especially when we're suffering. And John, he's not only suffering, he's suffering, his suffering is connected to following God. He was doing what God told him to do. And he calls out Herod and says, hey, Herod, it's against God's law to practice incest. And Herod got mad at him and put him in prison. See, and John, he knew what God had revealed. So, so why? Why was God's Messiah not coming through for John when John needed him the most to unleash the judgment? Perhaps, maybe, perhaps John was wrong about Jesus. No, no, Jesus, Jesus was the Messiah. John was not wrong about Jesus. He was wrong about how God's plan was advancing. And if we jump to verse 12, he, he clarifies, he says, no, the kingdom is from the days of John the Baptist. In other words, when John started preaching to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the kingdom has been advancing. But it's not sweeping away all opposition as John expected. Because John expected, oh, the kingdom's coming, that all opposition, all sinners will be swept away. Instead, violent people are in opposition to the kingdom. And John's imprisonment is evidence of that. 
And that's the issue that John seems to have trouble grasping. That the Messiah is not crushing the opposition. But Jesus, he corrects that idea and says that, that, that the opposition, that's actually a part of his plan. And, and the plan that gets un, un, um, unraveled and shown throughout the Gospel of Matthew is that the Messiah would actually die for the sins of the world. That the opposition, he would, he would freely submit himself to that opposition. He would die for his enemies. So that when the final judgment does come and wipe away sinners, there will be a host of forgiven people made ready for that because of his sacrifice. So no crushing of sin and opposition this time. Instead, it would be love and self-sacrifice by the Messiah to create a people for himself. John, he didn't, didn't quite grasp that at the time. And Jesus, verse 4, he answers in another way. He basically says, well, my works speak for themselves. He says, go tell John that the, you know, the dead rise, that the poor have good news preached to them. He's quoting uh, uh, or at least alluding to Isaiah 35 and Isaiah chapter 61 that talks about how the Messiah would do all of these things. So John needed to, to stick to Jesus to hold tightly to Jesus, but hold loosely to his own plan, to his own ideas of how God's plan was meant to go. Because in John's pain, he stopped being able to see God's plan clearly. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and you're having difficulty with God's plan because you're in pain and you're suffering. Well, John, um, Jesus says to John, to all those in the crowd who might have doubts, he says, blessed are those who don't take offense at me. Meaning that don't let go of Jesus. Instead, let go of your preconceived ideas and notions of God's plan. This is a beatitude. In other words, a beatitude is a pronouncement of blessing. Jesus says, blessed is the one not offended by me. This assumes that the questioner has begun well. John began well, but now he has to avoid stumbling. And it's a challenge to reexamine the presuppositions about what God's plan meant for the Messiah or what God should be doing. And it's an invitation to bring one's understanding and faith into alignment with Christ and with the scriptures that he fulfills and with the plan that God has. And so it's grab on to God's plan, but let go of your plan and your ideas. And in that letting go, you will find a freedom. In that letting go, you'll be better able to grasp onto God's plan and receive his power, his purposes, his presence in your life, you'll be able to receive what he created you to be. In verses 7 through 15, when John's disciples leave, Jesus affirms John's ministry and that they went out to hear him and be baptized by him. And, and that, that was good. They were actually following God's plan. But they needed to continue to follow God's plan, which is finding fulfillment in Jesus so that the kingdom of God is taking a step further, taking a step beyond God, uh, John 
and God's children need to adjust. And that's the crux of this next section. Jumping to verse 9, it says, well, you know, what did you go out to see? A prophet? You know, speaking of John. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is whom it is written, and now he quotes from the prophet Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Saying, this was John. You were right to go and follow John to be baptized by him because that's a part of God's plan. He was the prophet, the greatest prophet, because he was the last prophet before the coming king. That was his role, and he fulfilled that. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is risen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. What's this deal? John the Baptist is Elijah? Now he's quoting a little bit later in the prophet Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 that says, Elijah will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So John is a prophet. He's an important part of God's plan. The crowds were right to go to John because he was the last prophet of the old covenant. God's plan is on track. And, and John, he's fulfilling the prophecies of Malachi. But yet, Jesus' ministry, it signals a shift because now God's kingdom is arriving because the promised king has arrived. And the king is ushering in a, a, in a way that they're not expecting. And so John's doubts, which probably many in the crowd had, were because, all right, well, God's plan didn't exactly match my expectations. So they were at a point where, yes, they were following God, they were following his plan, but now there seems to be a divergence that, that um, all right, God seems to, wait, I thought he was, he was going here, but, but now, wait, he, he's moving over here. That Jesus, he's extending God's kingdom in an unexpected way. And Jesus, he's encouraging them, oh, stay the course. Learn, learn adjust to God's plan. Which means stop clinging to your own ideas, your own plan. Jesus' ministry, it's a turning point in salvation history. And John, he's the greatest prophet so far because he stands in a long line of prophets. He's the forerunner to the kingdom. Nonetheless, he's of the old covenant. So get ready because the least in the God's kingdom is greater because they're in the kingdom. They're, they're experiencing relationship with the king as none other before. So don't get off track, off God's plan now. Continue to respond to God's plan, not your own, even though it's taken a turn you didn't expect. Is that you today? Where maybe you were following God's plan at one time, but things in life, they've taken an unexpected turn. They've veered off, and you haven't adjusted well, John seems to receive the correction, but the crowds, they're not so responsive. And Jesus highlights the crowd's lack of responsiveness in verses 16 through 19 by comparing them to, to children who refuse to respond. So verse 16, it says, what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. 
For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus uses children in the marketplace as an illustration of this generation's unresponsiveness. In other words, kids, they, they play a happy tune because it's a celebration, like a, a wedding. But their playmates, they don't respond. So then they sing a funeral dirge, and they still don't respond. See, the people just keep doing what they're doing and justifying sticking to their own plan instead of responding to God's plan. So here it's, it says, well, God, he, he spoke through the austerity of John and his message of judgment. And they say, nope. And so then God speaks a message of hope and forgiveness through the joy-filled ministry of Jesus. And they still say, no, thanks. Why? Because God was not fitting into their ideas and their plans. And so they did not respond no matter who God sent. So my friends, how do we avoid being like the unresponsive children? How do we keep from drifting from God and all that he has for us? Because hear me, this, if you're feeling some guilt right now, I want you to take that guilt and, and realize that it's, it's not about, oh, I have to slavishly follow God's plan. It's, it should be like God has a wonderful plan for me. He loves me. He sent Jesus to die for me. So I know what he has for me is the best, even when I don't understand it. And so we don't want to drift from his plan, even if it's difficult, even if it's hard, because we know it's the best plan. And we know that has eternal blessings. So how do we do that? How do we avoid being like the unresponsive children who God's doing something, but nope, we have our preconceived ideas, so we just will keep doing what we're doing. Well, first, hold on. Make a commitment in your mind today to hold on to God's plan tightly, but hold on to your plans loosely. Hold on to God's plan tightly, but your plans loosely. And maybe that picture, too, helps you. Maybe in your prayer, you need to raise your hand up and say, God, I want to I cling to your plan tightly. And then have that open hand so that you're ready to drop any plans that you have because you know God's plans are better. Because God's plans are bigger than ours. His plans are unchangeable. His plans will stand forever because so much is out of our control. And therefore, our plans are always shifting apart from God. I was reminded of this this weekend. You, you all heard me a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. I was like, now that I live in Holyoke, I'm going to run the Holyoke St. Patrick's Day road race. I ran it like when I was a teen, but I'm going to run it again. So the last couple months, do you know what I've done? I've planned, I planned on it. I trained. I actually got so that I wouldn't fall down and collapse, that I could, <laughs> so that I could finish it. I wasn't, I mean, that was my goal. But then on, on Wednesday night, it started to have a tickle in my throat and I got a head cold, right? So I couldn't run it. So, I mean, I feel better now, but I don't feel like I can run six miles. But it's just... It reminds me of, again, that was one of my plans. And I actually did things to fulfill that plan for the last couple of months. But a little virus that I can't even see took me out. 
changed my plans. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We are daily confronted with our own weakness, with our own lack of control. But God, he is unchangeable. So in our minds, we need to make that commitment to cling to God's plans and ways and not our own. And then you have a solid ground on which to stand in life's storms. Now, hopefully we're asking, all right, well, how do I do that? How do I know God's plans? That's a great place to start by even asking that question. If you're asking the question, what is God's plan? I want to follow it. You've already taken a step towards Jesus because let's talk real. It's some real talk. Normally, what do we do? We're just going to do our thing, right? We're just going to do whatever we always did. And it is a seismic shift to stop and say, wait a minute, God, what do you want me to do? With my life, yes, but also with today. Even that question is a step closer to Jesus. But we can process our plan. And so the steps to, all right, how do I know God's plan for my life? The first one is know God's plan for the world. In other words, be in Scripture. Understand Scripture. Why? Well, because that's God's, that's his letter to creation, so many people, when they talk to me, they'll, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? I'm like, well, have you read the, have you read the Bible? I'm like, well, no. What we want is, yeah, we want God to give us sort of a, a, a to-do list for our lives. But the thing is, is that God's purposes, his plan is so much bigger than us that it's not, we, we want to fit God into our plans. <laughs> That's the exact opposite of the reality, and that is we fit into God's plans. So first and foremost, we need to understand God's word in the scripture and see his big plan, what he has done for the world. And then we see how, how does my small story fit into his bigger story? It's too many times we go at it backwards. We try to fit his big story into our lives. And what does that happen? And then it shrinks God's plan and his story to something that can fit into one person's life. No, God is so much bigger. We have to go at it the opposite way and say, God, what is your big story? But the particulars, the particulars of God's kingdom for you, once you understand his big story, then you start to understand also what kind of God he is, his character, his attributes, so that when God does speak in particular to guide you, then you understand his voice. You know what kind of God he is because you know his big story. So scripture first. And then the second, and I just mentioned it, is prayer. Again, did, did you even ask first? The seismic shift in asking God. Instead of just doing your thing, asking God, what thing do you want me to do? James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. You lack wisdom on what God, you think God wants you to do in your life? What God wants to do today? Well, ask him. The promise is here. Is ask him. He gives generously. He wants you to be a part of his plan. He wants to guide you today. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. 
Meaning, commit your, take the, this process, putting your plans under God's will, under his plan, and then your plans will be established because they're God's plan. All right, I gotta go quickly. Community or counsel. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. My friends, we're meant to discern God's will in community. It's not, oh, me and my God, I'll just go do my thing. It's rather, no, God has created us to be in a body, his body, a local body, because we all have blind spots. There's certain things I can see like this, but then there's other things I can't see at all parts of God's plan. That's why it's important to be a part of his body because there's discernment there in what God wants to do in your life. And then finally, circumstances. And this is the last thing because nothing is impossible with God. So we don't make our decisions. We don't base the plans we think God has for us based on our circumstances. And yet, if circumstances aren't changing, then God's plan at the very least is not yet. Not yet. So that's the process. Scripture, when we have a plan, is we look at the scriptures, prayer, community, circumstances. We process our plans in light of these things and, and submit them to God. And that's especially important when we're in pain. Because like John the Baptist, our pain can make us doubt God's plan. So let me give you a final example of applying this in a church I was a, a part of several years ago, there was a young couple, they just got married, and then for several years, they were trying to have a baby, and they couldn't. And they looked at scripture, and they saw, all right, God's design is for a man and a woman to come together and be fruitful and multiply. So they said, yes, we believe it's God's will for us to have a child. So they, then they prayed for this child, and, and nothing happened. And so then they sought counsel, and as they talked with different elders and, and people who had gone through the same thing, you know, they, they, they realized, all right, these are the things that we can do, you know, medically. These are the things that we, we feel we cannot do because they're, a part, uh, they're uh, different than God's will. And, and they prayed more. Still, nothing happened. And so then they had to come to this kind of thing, all right, God, what do you have for us then? Because the plans that we had, that we thought you gave us, they, they don't seem to be happening and then through this process of many, many years, they said, all right, God, it's, you, you still have a will for us to have children, but since we're not biologically having children, we're going to adopt. And that's what they did. But they had to be flexible. They had to say, all right, God, this is what we think your plan is, but you know, as we, as we look at the scriptures, as we pray, as we talk to our community, as we see the circumstances, Lord, it seems like our plans and your plans are, are not aligning. And so, God, we're going to align with your plan. And that's what they did. It was difficult. In, in their pain, it was hard for them to see God's plan in this because it hurt. It was something that they had planned. It's a blessing to have children. And so it hurt but yet in that struggle, they were able to find joy. In that struggle, they were able to be a part of God's plan and receive a blessing and a, a purpose and a presence of God that they had never experienced before. And so that's the key. 
when our plans seem to be different. We need to be teachable. We need to be responsive. We need to ask God, God, what are you teaching me in this? And submit your plans to the Lord. And by the way, no response is a response. So when, when God says, no, this is different, and you're like, well, I'm just going to do what I always do, well, that's a response to God. It's a response that says, I'm going to keep clutching my plan, even if it drags me down below the water, instead of letting it go and clutching God's plan and all that he has for us. So hold lightly to your plan, but hold tightly to God's. Take the plans that you feel God has given you and constantly submit them to the Lord. Scripture, prayer, community, looking at the circumstances and be teachable and responsive to what he has for you. Let's pray. God, we confess as we come before you that we often have our own ideas. We have our own thoughts of what your plan is for us. So God, we right now, as best as we can, Holy Spirit, move in this place. Open our hearts. Lord, there's many who are clinging to their plans. Lord, it's because of the pain. Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill them to overflowing. They would know that you are near with them and that your plans for them are good, even if they don't understand, and they would release that plan, and they'd grab onto you, God. Lord, I pray for those who are feeling condemnation right now, that instead they would, they would feel an invitation from you, God, to fully embrace all that you have for them. Lord, even if they don't understand what it even means to follow you, that they just know they need to follow you, that your plan is good, and that they would trust in Jesus. Take that step. Lord, as we sing this last song, have your way with us. Put it into our hearts and minds now that we would constantly ask, what is your plan for me today, God? Because we know your plans are good. We repent of our own ways. We repent of our own plans.